welcome back to another episode of Dr. Z, A World Never Mentioned. Anyway, for those of you who are new to this podcast, my name is Zeon, or otherwise would like to be referred to as The Dr. Z. And the goal of my podcast is to engage my listeners about different regions around the world by immersing them with the history, politics, and culture. As we all know, our world is a melting pot of different backgrounds and people, but sometimes with the sensationalist media and politics influencing our mindsets, these true stories are being lost, and I want to bring them back to the spotlight. Today's episode is going to be a special one indeed, and just a quick update, I am finally in college, who, and it's just so hard to believe that my first episode was almost three years ago during my sophomore year of high school, when I was bored but curious during the pandemic. I am currently attending the University of Maryland and majoring in government politics with an international relations concentration while on the pre-med track and I'm also part of the Global Communities Honors Program. While here, I have made numerous new friends and um, I became exposed to many people who are both very similar and very different to me. The similarities were just so profound when it came to academic interests such as international relations, foreign policy, globalization, geography, and many more, which is why today I decided to call onto the podcast three of my new friends who also reside in the same dorm as I do. The first of the two guests are in the same major as I am, Colin Tiffany and Daniel Bahat. Colin is from Westminster, Maryland, and Daniel is from Bethesda, and they are both on the pre-law track. We also got an additional guest here, Zach Kinlock, who is from New Windsor, Maryland, and is a geospatial data science major. Today, we will be discussing our experience at college while also discussing global issues and foreign policy within the context of the many numerous things we have learned during our time at the University of Maryland. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. So starting with Colin, how has college been for you so far? You know, college has been pretty, pretty great. You know, of course, it's an academically stimulating environment. I've happened to meet a lot of great people, including you, Zion. Um, thank, you, thank you. Yeah, no, I've, it's really fun. Like, I've, it's, it's a different environment for sure, especially coming from where I come from. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot. You know, it's a big change, and I'm, I'm really open to all these new experiences. Well, that's really great to hear. What about you, Zach? It's been a pretty solid time. It's uh, not as difficult as I thought it would be coming at <clears throat> coming out of high school, <laughs> but, but it's been it's been an enjoyable time. It's been fun hanging out with you boys and uh, getting up to all the uh, the shenanigans that we tend to do. So it's been it's been fun overall. And uh, before I get to Daniel, Colin and Daniel, I just want your general opinion on Zach's bright yellow Crocs. You know, I when I first met the guy, I thought he was a loser because he wore bright yellow Crocs. But like, once you get to know him, the Crocs kind of grow on you. And you know, he's he's, he's a stand-up guy. And Daniel, please go on and talk about your experience in college, along with your opinion on Zach's yellow Crocs. Well, I can start with Zach's yellow Crocs. Um, I mean, I personally like them in terms of the realm of um, pulling girls, as the kids today would say. Um, I don't think they are as effective, but you know, it's Zach's personal stylistic choice, so I can't really judge, but college has been really fun so far. I feel like it's definitely a step up, both good and bad from high school, but I do like the extra freedom, getting to be with friends all the time, and I do think the coursework's a lot more interesting. 
Can I interject with a statement of course, about the Crocs? Of course, of course, of course. I just want the listeners to know that these are not the typical yellow Crocs you see. They're not as bright. They're closer to a pastel yellow. And currently, I'm donning five different gibbets, two authentic, three fake. On the right Croc, I have the saguaro cactus, which can hold about 2,000 gallons of water when full grown. It takes 70 years to, <laughs> to fully grow. Beautiful. I also have a yeehaw Croc, symbolizing my Carroll County roots, which I believe we'll talk about quite soon. And on the left, I have Peppa Pig, Phineas with Perry, and Elmo. I like that fella because he is uh, red in color. Um, yeah, Zach, thanks for your amazing justification about your bright yellow Crocs, or should I say pastel yellow Crocs. Um, but yeah, for me personally, college has been a blast. I have made many new friends who are not only funny and share similar ways of having fun, but they're also well-informed, so we can always have serious discussions when needed. And indeed, that's also the reason why I brought them onto this podcast. But I also just enjoy the opportunity to learn what I'm actually interested in. I get to open my mind up to various subject areas, but at the same time, I'm preparing myself for what I want to do in the future. So whatever I'm learning, I'm not dreading learning. I'm actually enjoying it, which I think is really critical if you want to do well. So I do appreciate that factor of college. So coming to our next um, question, Colin, you come, Colin and Zach, you guys both come from Carroll County, and that's a place where you don't see as much diversity. It's not as urban as the rest of Maryland. So how do you guys make sure you stay politically informed and along with that, open your mind up to different uh, perspectives and uh, mindsets? So Colin, we'll start with you. Right. No, I, I think one of the biggest things is you got to step outside your comfort zone. You can't lock yourself down to a particular community and you got to branch out. You got to try, you have to try to engage with people you wouldn't find within your realm. So like where I live, I, I have, there's very little diversity, very little diversity. You're not going to find people that are distinct um, and diverse from you. So what you need to do is you need to reach out. You need to engage with those that are diverse so you can reap from them their experiences and gain a better understanding of what it's like to live in a diverse, um, a diverse world. Yeah. And um, Zach? Yeah, when it uh when it comes, I definitely agree with the uh, with the second point about like trying to interact with people from like different backgrounds because it's like so so rare in Carroll County. We're sort of a homogenous group, but when it comes to staying politically informed, the main thing like the main way I did it was just basically like listen to my mom because she's like really like passionate about politics, so she'll just like go on like rants and whatnot, and so like just listening to that and just like trying to understand like what's going on. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. Sort of similar to Colin. Great, great. And uh, Daniel, me and you, we both come from a rather diverse county. So how do you feel that's worked to our advantage? And how do you think that has changed the way we think in our own mindsets? I just feel like it makes it a lot easier to be an open-minded person because from the time you're born, you're really around a bunch of um, different people who look different than you, act different from you, they have different culture than you. So it's really easy to just um, be like almost like a, a open global like person because you're never locked down into like one group of people that may be like the dominant group around you um and i also feel like it's just cool to learn from different people and like hear their experiences yeah i completely agree with what everyone's been talking about i think something that i've loved especially with the people i hang out now within my dorm is that we are such a diverse group so i get to learn about many other people's backgrounds i get to hear about the other ways that people think. 
And I just get to learn more and more about things I would never have even heard of or considered if I stayed just in like my own bubble in Montgomery County. So moving on to the next question, in our um, international relations class, which me, Colin, and Daniel partake in, we've discussed a lot about political theories and approaches. And I was just wondering what you guys think about going by just a singular theory or singular way of thinking. And also, I guess, adding on to that, what do you guys think of like a two-party system or the way we categorize politics today? And this time, I think I want to start with Daniel by spicing things up. Well, I feel that um, just going by one theory really needlessly locks you down. I do definitely believe that there are theories of international relations and theories of politics in general that are more accurate than others. But I feel like none of them are good for perfectly describing the world. Otherwise, they'd be laws and we'd all be following them. Um, But in terms of the two-party system, I think that it's just an unavoidable consequence of how our country is built. If we were to change it, it would involve changing the whole, like, basis of how our elections work and how our constitution works, which would um, pretty much upend 250 years of how the American democracies worked, which depending on your view, may not be a good or a bad thing, but it does say a lot that it has worked so far. Right. And to build off that, um, you know, I think applying a singular theory really does lock you down and it it paralyzes you when you're making decisions because you come and you find yourself in a situation where your theory no longer applies, where your worldview is challenged by circumstances in the world. And having a diverse um, array of theories to work with gives you that gives you the ability to consider alternative um, views of the world and pursue alternative options depending upon the circumstance and to build on the two-party system uh yeah i would say the two-party system is somewhat unavoidable it's while it does tend to group people into big tents um falling under with multiple ideologies gathering together Um, under a single uh, party. I do think it's helpful in that it simplifies the political process to a certain extent and allows individuals to be um, more politically active. Whether or not, whether they actually take nuanced uh, positions is another question entirely. 100%. Um, And the reason why I actually even brought up the two-party system was like, number one, we hear about, you know, whether we see people like a more polarized society. And along with that, um, I don't know if you guys have heard, but also about like Tulsi Gabbard just leaving the Democratic Party. Have you guys heard about that? And you have any like specific thoughts, either of you? Yeah, no, I I heard about that, and when I when I did hear about, I wasn't very surprised. I from what I could hear, she was not, um, she didn't resonate a lot with the the Democratic messaging, and she kind of pushed back on the prevailing ideas within the party. So it was it was only natural that somebody like her would leave. Similar thing happened with Andrew Yang, actually. He broke off and formed his own forward party. I mean, the, whether or not I believe in that party, that's a separate <laughs> question. But, um, yeah, no, that it, you definitely see that. You definitely see the fracturing of political ideologies within parties, which is a consequence of having two main parties at the top. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with Colin. It was almost inevitable that something like this was going to happen. But on one hand, it's good that she was able um, – re- Although I don't particularly agree with her, I think it was good that she was able to um, not just stick with one party and actually like be able to make up her mind and change where she stood. Um, and it's something that I wish more people would do in a more moderate sense. And 
while I again also don't agree, don't completely agree with someone like Joe Manchin, I do respect him a lot for being able to be in the middle of politics um, and not be polarized to either side and really be able to be a moderate and almost same thing with um, Larry Hogan as well. Mm -hmm. I think my two cents on it is really when it comes to like theories and everything, it's really good to be educated on the variety of theories and approaches to different topics and problems. But at the same time, when you're being educated, I would feel like the best way is to gather from different theories and approaches in order to come to your best opinion on certain things. Now, thank you, Colin and Daniel, for um, providing great responses to the last question. I'm going to move on to Zach now. And the thing about me and Zach is that we shared our first love over geography. Mm -hmm. and um, Passionate we both... love, I might add. <laughs> yes, passionate <laughs> love. And... Uh, you know, we both resonate on the fact that we love geography games. We know all the capitals. Zach, what's the capital of Micronesia? Uh, Palakir. Ah, beautiful man. But um, anyway, what made you interested in geography, Zach? And have you applied it anywhere? Like, I know that you are um, using geography a lot in your major. So why don't you talk more about that? Yeah, the uh, the main thing that like got me into geography, actually, this is pretty much what I wrote my uh, Common App essay about, is I was in like... I guess it would have been eighth grade in like a study hall type thing, just incredibly bored. So I was just messing around with the computer and I did like a like guess the states game type thing. And then I got like where they give you a map and you like click on the states or whatever. I think I did like decently well. I got like 37 or something. And then I was like, oh, that's pretty sick. So like I went home and I'm like, I told my parents, I'm like, yo, I did this this game. I got 37. And then my mom's like, oh, let me try it. And she like got 50. I'm like, damn. So then I'm like the next day I like did it again and learned it till I got 50. And then once I did that, I'm like, this is fun. So I started like memorizing a bunch of other stuff until I just ended up learning quite a, quite a bit. And then how I applied that I was, I like really enjoyed the geography, but I didn't know like what I wanted to do like in college and stuff like going forward. And then I like found out about this program, this uh, GIS program that my County had actually at the, uh, the tech center Colin in Carroll County. And so I'm like, Oh, I'll give that a shot. And so I did that ended up really enjoying it and so then basically that put me where i am today because i was like looking at schools with a uh, geography or like gis like undergrad programs and maryland has one of the better in the country plus in state and all those all those factors so that's sort of what led me here and then it's, it's just something i really enjoy doing so it'll be uh it'll be fun to go forward and do more of that and what do you plan on doing with the future with this degree i want to work in some federal government agency whether that's nga or something else um it i don't really care too much but i feel like it'd be cool to uh to work with the federal government government doing like geospatial like analysis for them plus it, i want like a security clearance and that'd be tough <laughs> <laughs> that's really what i'm in it for it's all about the security clearance uh, you gotta love zach you gotta love zach um this is a more open-ended question i think we will start with colin again for this question uh, what are your guys' favorite topics pertaining to international relations, and what regions are you most interested in? Yeah, no. Um, when it comes to international relations, I'd say my biggest area of interest is peace and war, uh, simply because war is uh, war and peace is in, not the novel, but the the, the topic <laughs> has been an omnipresent phenomenon throughout history, and finding ways to reduce that proving that it's not an inevitable result of human interaction is always something we can pursue as a society, uh, pursuing a peaceful and uh, more perfect society is, is, is always something 
that you can aspire for. And international relations provides the perfect arena to achieve that end. All right, Daniel? Yeah, um, I definitely, um, in a similar way to Colin, I think War and Peace for me is like the most, it's the most interesting part of international relations. And I also, within that, I like a lot to look at diplomacy and how nations interact with each other, um, both the ones in a conflict, but also the ones um, around it, the, how the major powers and the bordering nations act when two nations get into a conflict, and as well as um, during peacetime, how um, nations are interacting with each other um, diplomatically. And so I feel like within that too, just um, like mostly the Middle East and Latin America are the ones I'm most interested in. And also, um, it's also always interesting to see how the U.S. intervenes in those. And I did a like little documentary about that for a class I had to take last year. It was all about um, U.S. intervention in Latin American um, economies and countries and conflicts. And so it's something that's always interests me. That's great. And um, Zach, I know you're not an international relations major, but I'm sure there's something that in particular might interest you since you are also very knowledgeable about um, current affairs. Very knowledgeable might be a little bit of a stretch, but <laughs> um, I sort of feel like I'm piggybacking off them, but like international conflict is something that's pretty interesting because it's like sort of one of the more like horrific things that happens. And it's like sort of like understanding like the, the justification and like why like these like large scale wars transpire. Um, and uh, when it comes to like specific regions, the, the Middle East is like is one that comes to mind because they've sort of been in a relative like consistent state of conflict for like a while now. And there's been like the U.S. presence there for like the past couple of decades. So it's like sort of interesting to see how that like impacts what's going on over there and whether it's helped or hurt the uh, the, the countries in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. For me personally, the regions of interest are the Middle East and South Asia. I definitely think that is influenced by my background as an Indian American Muslim. But within those, I'm interested in learning about the effects of colonialism on modern international relations because I think that is a profound yet undermined factor that people should consider. And also, I think just learning about, you know, what causes um, terrorism what's um, the mis misperceptions associated with terrorism, life after 9-11, those things seriously have always, um, you know, sparked my curiosity because it seems to have such a profound effect of how America views security in many different people groups and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Now, I'm going to combine these last two questions for, and we're going to probably start with Zach on this one. Why do you think our world is so polarized and what do you think are some potential solutions to this? Okay, the reason, I think, people tend to look at those who like disagree with them or on the opposite side as like the enemy like when like when a liberal person looks at a conservative they're like oh they're they're bad they're against what i am and same thing vice versa and i don't think that's a good way of like looking at the world because it sort of just like creates like needless like animosity between two huge groups of people when in reality like that shouldn't really exist the things we disagree upon are like we're I mean, it sounds cliche, but like we're much more similar than different, you know, and so that like that sort of like idea of looking at us as like two separate groups, it has just like had a lot of negative impacts on society. And I think like media probably contributes to that. Like if you if you see CNN, they paint like conservatives bad, 
see Fox News, they paint liberals bad. And it's just like feeding into this idea that people have in their heads. And like same thing with like political, like political ads. If you see like a certain candidate, they're going to like attack their other, their opponent, try and like make them look as bad as possible. And that just doesn't contribute to like sort of healthy, like coexistence with between like different political groups and people in general. And I guess the solution to that would just be like education, like under better understanding, like the uh, the like environment, like different people in order to just like see them as just other people who disagree with you rather than like your opposition, you know? Right. Now, to build on that, like I think one of the biggest things, like Zach said, is a lack of understanding, a fault of understanding um, one another. And to a certain extent, that's understandable. I mean, we're such a large and diverse and globalized world as it is right now. It's it can be difficult to fully understand um, other individuals. That's that's not an excuse, though. That's not an excuse to be polarized. Um, what we humans desire in a lot of situations are concrete and um, black and white views of things because it's, it's simpler to understand. And when it comes to issues like global politics, when it comes to international relations, it's often more nuanced than that. You can't reduce it to one thing or the other. You can't reduce it to one thing that's diametrically opposed to the other thing. It just, it doesn't, it's not suitable for that. So I think, I think it's, it's, it's a fault in our mindset. It's the fault in the way we frame the world. So if we were to open our mindsets, be more open to um, other um, viewpoints and acknowledge the fact that there's, there might be alternative viewpoints other than just the black and white um, ideas that, we're, that we've been fed. I think that that can open avenues to understanding. And as for solutions to polarization, I, I would have to echo Zach and say education um, and more importantly, communication. Um, opening lines of communication between um, various cultures, between, in between various political actors, it, it tends to um, allow better understanding and more peaceful and um, the nuanced views of the world. Yeah, so I personally believe the world is as polarized as it is. Um, well, the base root will always be ignorance, but that's something that's existed pretty much since the start of like modern politics and will probably always exist. Um, but I think in a more um, modern sense, in the United States, I think the biggest cause of polarization um, is media, social media, um, and also just the ease of communication. Um, it allows a lot of good and a lot of false and bad information to be spread. Um, and so as a natural consequence of that, um, biased and wrong opinions are going to get out and they're going to polarize the world. And also, I think we also now have an appetite for quick, um, less accurate information, which also doesn't help. And I think in Europe, uh, most of the polarization is probably a result of just a tipping point in the refugee crisis coming from a number of different um, conflicts, both in and out of the Middle East. And I feel like at this point, um, a lot of countries in Europe have been very left-leaning and very accepting of refugees and very accommodating in these conflicts. But I think um, a lot of nativist sentiment is starting to seep through, and I think that people are starting to get tired of it and are opting for more right-wing anti-immigration leaders. And I think it's polarizing the society. And, I mean, just look also at Brexit. Like, the UK has just left the 
European Union, which is something that's completely unprecedented. And I think the solution isn't going to come quickly. I think it'll be something that's going to need more of a culture change. Um, there needs to be more of a culture of understanding, but also one that's less accepting of ignorance and one that um, is more focused on only listening to those who really understand an issue or a topic and not giving um, anyone a voice and not just listening to anyone. Now, I just need to bring the three of you back here and try to just kind of echo. So the three of us have all read an amazing book by Mr. Hans Rosling called Factfulness. And, uh, you know, there are certain instincts that I kind of felt like the fear instinct, the negativity instinct, mm -hmm. the urgency instinct, the blame instinct. All of those I also felt could potentially lead us to polarization because we always try to find thoughts that conform to our own perspectives. And that prevents us mm. from being more open minded, yeah. as you guys said. But thank you guys so much for partaking in this podcast episode. I hope you all had fun. I had a great time hearing from your perspectives. We have these kind of conversations all the times, all the time when we walk between classes. I just want to broadcast it. And yeah, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Yeah, thank you for yeah, having of us. Of course. Appreciate it. Yeah, so that wraps up our interview. I'm so excited to publish this and see what you guys all think. And as always, we shall wrap up an episode with a quote about travel. This time, it will be by Steve Jobs. Your time is limited, so don't waste living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the result of other people's thinking. So yeah, hope you guys all have a great day and keep thinking about travel. Oh, 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 oh,